Welcome to the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. I'm Matt Shedd. In this episode, I speak with two of our assessment counselors at Mar, Jordan and Kristen. Both of them spend their days talking with potential clients and their family members about the possibility of coming into treatment at Mar. In our conversation, we discuss some of the initial concerns and frequently asked questions that potential clients and their family members typically have when starting the process of looking into addiction treatment. Jordan and Kristen also share their backgrounds and talk about how they developed a passion for the work they do in the substance abuse treatment field. Why don't we just start with you, Jordan, just talking about your experience with Mar. How'd you, how'd you end up getting here? So let's see. I had been a daily drug user and drinker from the age of 18 to the age of 29. And, uh, there was one point when I was, so I, I started, you know, getting into trouble pretty quickly. I've been, I've been arrested like six or seven times and it was all for, you know, um, comparably to some people I know to minor things, which are just being in the wrong place at the wrong time mm-hmm. with alcohol, underage right. and stuff. Most of those arrests happened before I was 21. But all drug and alcohol related? All drug and alcohol related, never yeah. anything else. Um, one DUI. How many arrests? I think seven. Okay. Yeah. And um, so, you know, of course my mom was like, you've got you to gotta stop. And I kept telling her everything was okay, that she was making too big a deal out of things. And, you know, things got... Things went downhill pretty quickly. Like I was, um, you know, getting into some serious, serious drugs and seriously addicted to where people around me were like, okay, we're all partiers. We're all having a great time, Mm -hmm. but you are, you're scaring us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, all that did at the time was make me want to defend myself more and say like, you know, you're not going to take this from me. Like that was my motivation. Um, So... The final straw was heroin addiction, Um, you know, putting a needle in my arm and all that stuff because it started with just smoking it and snorting it. But once that needle got involved, the desperation um, level went way up and the withdrawal periods were longer and more intense and way more painful. And I had become a, a thief you know, among other things, I'd, I'd become a thief before that. I become, a, I actually became a thief pretty early in my addiction. I was stealing pills from people, but I guess I was a more regular thief, and it was more like a part of my daily life. Like, what do I have to go steal today? Which loved one do I have to steal from today? Um, and so, I wanted to get out of pain, and I knew enough about heroin and, and everything to know that um, if I went to treatment or um, rather to detox, they would give me some Suboxone. And take me out of the pain. And so I said, yeah, let's do this. Um, so I did. And I went to Peachford and um, they uh, they took me out of pain like I wanted. I stayed for seven days. And then while I was there, the doctor gave me um, uh, two options. He said, okay, you're, you're about to discharge. And you have two options. You can either, um, you can go to this, uh, you can stay on this Suboxone forever Like it's called maintenance and uh, you basically, you won't have to really feel much, you know, it won't be so bad. Or you can go to this program called MAR, but they won't let you have the Suboxone. Basically, you're going to have to learn to feel some things. 
And I was like, okay, I will do the first one without a doubt. <laughs> Give me the suboxone maintenance. I, I, that was like a dream for me. Like, man, if I can just be on this forever, yeah. I'll make it work. Um, and luckily, by that point, my parents had done enough research uh, and my sister uh, to know that um, that was not the way I should go. I don't know how they found more, but they did some research. They found more and they said, no, we want you to do this. And by that time, I mean, the only reason I agreed, I think, is because I did just didn't have any fight left in me. And I said, whatever, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And so I, uh, I came to Mar and pretty quickly, um, things started changing for me. You know, it's, we're, it's 12 step base. So mm -hmm. I was, I was told to get a sponsor. I was introduced to a sponsor who I still, who still sponsors me today. Um, he had 30 years clean at the time. So I was like, yep, I think, I think he'll do. But mm -hmm. like what really stood out to me was like, he had what I wanted, which was he uh, exuded peace and serenity. And I was like, Okay, so you used to be an addict, alcoholic, and you feel this way now, and you have for 30 years? I'll, I'll listen to you. And so I started listening to him. And I ended up staying. Um, I mean, I was, I was in after not too long. I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever you guys what, say. And what, what was your impression of, like, the staff and all that here? I could tell instantly that these guys were, like, no nonsense and knew what they were doing. And so I just wanted to... Um, I kind of wanted to please them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that was kind of my experience. But there were so many people that um, I just remember being like, what? Like, where did you come from? Like, yeah. What? Like, how did you get to be this way? Because I and I, I remember thinking that, like, if if you didn't if you weren't in recovery as a staff member, you had no value to me. And so, like, that was the first question I asked some of the mm -hmm. staff members and they would say no. And I would be like, well, <laughs> next, please. You can't help me. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And it took me a while to see past that. Um, but uh, but. Even at that time, those people, after I, after they told me they they weren't in recovery, I was I was pretty quickly shown. Oh, like you you have something. Yeah, you know you can offer me something. Right. Yeah. Well, that's perfect segue because now I want to turn to Kristen. Um, hey, Kristen. <laughs> uh, so Jordan told us a little about his uh, introduction to Mar. Tell us about yours and your background and how you ended up here. So in terms of how I came to Mar, I was actually in my, my grad school internship. Um, I'm a licensed master's social worker. Um, so I was at my internship, which was at a behavioral health hospital. And um, this girl came in, and she was just there to, to visit with an old coworker, um, who at the time was my supervisor. And um, she was talking to her. They were just kind of catching up. They're old friends. They used to work together talking about her new job. She, she'd she been working at Mar, I think, at that point for about a year. And I had no idea what Mar was, mm -hmm. um, but I was was curious because I was going to be graduating soon. I wanted to know kind of what, what was out there and what I could be doing for work because I really wasn't sure. Um, background at that time was I'd, I'd worked at a domestic violence shelter and I'd worked at this behavioral health hospital and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do next. So no um, experience really with addiction? No, no. Yeah. It wasn't something – it wasn't really even on my radar. Mm -hmm. And again, I did not know what Mar was. I yeah. just heard Lauren, who's now you know one of my favorite human beings and the director of our admissions department, um, I just heard her talking about her job. 
I mean, to the point where I'm like, can they hear you? Like, yeah. you're like, I mean, she's like this. I know I, I work at the greatest place in the world. I never want to leave. Um, I, I, I want to work there forever. Um, it's just, it's been an amazing experience. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that girl does, but I want to do it. You know, I, I want to feel that way about, about what I do. Um, so I, um, when I was graduating, I reached out to her to see if they had a job opening. And there happened to be one the same week that I was going to be graduating. So it worked out pretty perfectly, and somehow you know, they trusted me with that position. Um, and so, you know, I did have experience with connecting, you know, assessing a situation, connecting people to resources, um, but not kind of specifically one resource. And we obviously cannot, you know, we're, we connect people to all kinds of resources, but we are here to assess if someone's ready for for our program and what mm-hmm. we do here at Mar. So. I knew if I was going to be doing that, that I I wanted to learn everything. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be able to do that competently and authentically and know if this was something I believed in. And I had no context for Mar, like the reputation that Mar had in the field. Um, you know, I, w- I would go to a few things initially and hear, say, oh, wow, you work at Mar. And I, I didn't know what that meant. I, I didn't know why this place was so special to people. Um, and so I wasn't skeptical, but I would say I was curious of, you know, what, um, what is the deal? What's, what, why is everybody here so connected to this place and what's so different? There have to be tons of substance abuse programs. I mean, what's, what's so special about this place? Why do people work here for so long? Why do alumni come back all the time? You know, what's, um, and how do I know, you know, if this is the right thing for somebody? So, Thankfully, you know, Mar does a really awesome job of letting us, you know, we can go and sit in on groups, sit in on family week, um, sit and just sit in staff members' office and ask tons of questions. Um, and that's basically what I did was I just wanted to learn not only everything I could about Mar, but also about what else was out there, about mm-hmm. what other what what were other people doing in terms of treatment. because um, when somebody called, I wanted to know if this was the right thing for them or not. So that was kind of my approach to working here. But I knew nothing about 12-step recovery. I knew – I mean, I, I, I started – I mean, yes, I went to grad school for social work. So I had taken classes on uh-huh. addiction and substance abuse, and I knew things like that. In my previous work, I'd worked with some individuals with substance use history, and that was really never a focus. It wasn't something I specialized in by any means. Um, so just kind of got to discover the magic of Mar kind of firsthand as like an, an outside kind uh-huh. of observer, which is really the role I – I wanted to have. So that was kind of cool. One thing about, in terms of, you know, it's kind of specific situations, one thing I've gotten to be part of at MAR is um, our professionals treatment team. And that's really, you know, where I get to kind of see our staff at work mm-hmm. the most. Um, so I did not have the experience of coming through here and being a client. And I'm not in the treatment centers. I'm here in our um, assessment team. So I don't get to see them every day. So once a week, I do get to go and see and watch um, how that's done and get to participate sometimes. Um, and it's amazing the things that that they just know, the mm-hmm. things that you know a client can come in and say, you know, X, Y, and Z, and staff then knows all these other things about the situation and exactly what this person needs to hear in this right. time, what boundaries need to be held. They, it just comes with experience. And... You know, I definitely didn't have that when I started here. And now there are moments when I realize I know how to do that. Yeah. I, I I know how to – I hear a few things about this person's situation. I now know how to respond, and I know what they need. Mm-hmm. 
and that's just I, I I had this incredible opportunity of getting to watch people who've done this for decades that know they understand this, mm-hmm. um, and they you know it's not always going to be a fun experience. And say that's kind of one thing about staff at Mars; they just don't take the easy way out. You know, there there are things you have to say. Especially, I mean, for us too. I mean, kind of admissions side, I and mean, we have to tell people things they don't want to hear all the time. Um, but it's very, it's needed. It's useful, um, and it's it's what makes a difference for people. And kind of not being afraid to do that. Well, something I want to talk about though is Mars' reputation in the field. That you kind of you touched on that before. Um, what are you? What is that? I mean, what what is Mars' reputation as a whole? This organization's been around for over forty years. I mean, that's in itself is pretty unheard of. Um, you know, remained a nonprofit the whole time, remained the same values the whole time, kept gender separate, kind of all these things that sometimes, you know, we're, we're sometimes programs have to compromise in terms of, all right, you know, this is this is a business, so we're going to have to merge these programs or we're going to take away this length of time or maybe we're going to take away this aspect. And again, just Mars staff not taking the easy way out of that of, you know, we're, we're going to do this the right way. We're going to do what, what, you, what you, we know that you need, kind of regardless of, Yes, do we have a great business going all the time in terms of, you know, well, no, we're a nonprofit organization. That's that's just not the goal. That's never been the priority. So, um, you know, in terms of Mars reputation, that's what I hear all the time Mm -hmm. is people coming in. We get the chance to meet people from all other organizations all the time in the um, admissions department because we are, again, building that. Um, network of where when we need to refer people to other places when our program is not the right fit for someone um, clinically. So, you know, we get to – we hear that all the time of you guys are the ones doing it right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, MAR we know is always going to be there. Mm-hmm. And Mars, you know, you guys, I would say, being known for being an extremely ethical program. Um, in a world where businesses are not ethical, I mean, it's just you know, yeah. it's you know, that's a blanket statement. But mm-hmm. you know, there, there's uh, there's always it's hard to not have the motive in any type of business about profits and you, the success of your business, and you know, sometimes probably to our detriment. But that's just not something that's ever been a priority here mm. um, for any staff member. Um, so, I'd say in terms of reputation, that's what I hear the most just from other people. Um, and, and I kind of just got to discover that for myself of starting here and having no idea what that meant or what, you know, what the context of this field is and people saying, oh, wow, you work at Mar, That's awesome. And I'm like, is it? Like, I don't, I mean, like, I just didn't know. I didn't, I, at first I just didn't know how, how awesome it was um, until I got to just, I mean, seeing our clients is amazing for me, probably what's more meaningful is, is getting to be with all of our staff who mm-hmm. are, um, you know, there are a lot of staff members here who are in recovery. That is, you know, pr- mostly pretty common. Um, we're having some type of experience with, with it, um, and that's really what's been the biggest game changer for me in terms of understanding why, why this works and why it's so important mm-hmm. to convey that mm-hmm. to other people. Well said. Yeah. Yeah, I hear so many people say the same thing whenever I tell them that I work at Mar. And so uh, I think, you know, when I, when I first got this job, this is the first job I had in, a, in treatment, in the treatment field. And so I had no idea that other treatment centers weren't like MAR, you know, that um, 
that they operated a little differently. And like what I've come to find out is that, like Kristen alluded to, we're unique in that we, um, being nonprofit, we're, we're able to uh, make our decisions based on like clinical appropriateness, first and foremost. And that, um, like, I didn't have a basis for comparison. And um, now that I now that I do, or at least I see what what other places kind of do, some places, majority, unfortunately, um, I really value it because I can't imagine working in a place where I would have to operate differently, operate based on, you know, money or mm-hmm. heads and beds or anything like that. I know that sometimes from like clients and families perspectives, there can be a, uh, there can be this misperception of like, we're an exclusionary place because like I said, we do make decisions about admissions based on clinical appropriateness. And so if somebody's not going to get their best treatment here, what they need, then we're going to refer them somewhere else. So firstly, I mean, we refer them to the most appropriate place. Um, but secondly, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's a really valuable thing that we know how to stay in our lane and how to say like, I mean, I I struggle with this a lot. I, uh, in my job, I wish that we could take everybody because I know what we did for me mm-hmm. <laughs> and I see what right. we do for so yeah. many people and it's so amazing and I'm like, oh man, and I get to, we, we don't make decisions singularly. We make decisions together. So I'll talk to Kristen and I'll talk to Lauren and sometimes we'll bring in other people and it's like, are you sure? Are you sure we can't, we can't do this? And they're like, no, I'm sorry. Like this person is not, this person needs this in addition to this. Maybe after 30 days when they get this other issue addressed, they can come back and it's just like, you know, that's hard sometimes. Yeah. That's one of the hardest parts of the job is not being able to let in everybody in. But at the same time, when I bring Doug with me to, you know, who go, who will drop everything and come to a detox center with me because I want to let a guy with like cerebral palsy come to the treatment center, he, he will go with me and he'll say, he won't say, Jordan, why'd you waste my time? He'll say, I love you for wanting that guy here. Mm. And I mean, that's, that's amazing. You know, that's the director of the program. That's the director thing. of the yeah. program who's like incredibly busy. Yeah. He's like, so we need to go to treat. We need to go to this program today, huh? Yeah. Like, right. And there's like no hurry. There's no anything. He yeah. asks the P I mean, this has happened multiple times and yeah. What do you like about working in admissions, Kristen? Oh, I love working in admissions. I think my perception when I started working here was that someone would call. They would know everything about Mar, and they would say, mm-hmm. I'd like to come into treatment today. And I'm like, okay, yeah. great. Let's get that Let's get that worked out, um, which is, I, I mean, I don't think that's ever happened yeah. uh, to me. Um, so typically someone's just calling, and you you don't really know anything about their situation. Um, you know, they you, you, they may be calling for themselves, maybe calling for for somebody else, um, and they just want basic information. So trying to convey what's what's so special about this place in a few minute phone call is really hard. Thankfully, some people are are cool with staying on the phone for 30, 45 minutes while we really talk about some of this stuff, and I love those calls. Um, I think it's kind of in relates to telling people the truth as opposed, you know, not really just saying what they need, what they want to hear, um, which is sometimes hard. That sometimes means our conversations can get heated. I mean, where it's sometimes, um, you know, they're, they, this length of time, or maybe there's certain rule that they are like, why do you guys do it this way? Um, 
So again, having to be able to develop some kind of trust of, look, you know, I need, I just really want you to try this. Um, you just kind of need to take my word for it right now. You, you, you know, it's a voluntary program. You can leave, you can come and you mm-hmm. can try it and you can leave. You won't, you know, and, yeah. and that's, that's, so it's awesome to be able to say that full heartedly. And I think that that's really, those moments are really cool when somebody comes back by our admissions office, you know, a few weeks into treatment is like, hey, thank you for giving me that push that I needed. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you trusted this made me think maybe there was something I could maybe somewhat get value out right. of this. Um, so those moments are obviously incredible. Um, But I love just kind of getting to talk about this stuff and getting to, you know, just kind of the education around it of, you know, this is actually kind of simple. You got to prioritize this over everything else. That may seem, if you've never done that before, that may seem crazy. Getting into treatment. Yeah. I mean, you just, your recovery has got to be the priority. Um, And if it's your family member, it has to be the priority. And that's hard because there's been, you know, trust that's been strained. I mean, there's been so many issues. It's like, yeah, let's just drop everything for my little brother who has ruined our lives for the last few years. Let me just drop everything and do it. It's like, I, I get it. It's not mm-hmm. fair. It's not going away either. And this yeah. is this is what, what he's going to need. And so those moments are pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and just getting to develop a relationship with families when they're going through is very, you know, overwhelming time they're so afraid that they're going to make a mistake and they're going to do something that's going to derail this whole process of getting someone into treatment and just being able to say you know it's okay there's Mm -hmm. no guidebook you're doing the best you can this is my advice in this situation um Mm -hmm. you know this is this is how i would kind of handle that one you know let's do that give me a call back when when once we've gotten past that part you know sometimes we're talking with people for weeks months i mean we've had people we've worked with for years um Mm -hmm. before it's happened. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm sure, I'm sure cost comes up a lot or pretty early on in mm-hmm. the conversation. Is that, is that true? Yeah. Oh, sometimes just the first question, you know, bottom line, there are no other programs structured the way that Mar is. There are no other programs that are fully gender separate. You can be here for three months and then go into an extended residential program with the same people you were in treatment with who went through the same thing, have access to all your staff for up to 18 months. It's not out there. It, people constantly ask, you know, well, I, I love what you're saying, but what can we do that's um, – how, how can we find that somewhere else that doesn't cost as much? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not out there because our staff aren't volunteers. Um, you know, this is, again, a nonprofit organization. You're, if you come here, you'll – you'll that's pretty clear mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, our – we don't have a, a, a beach resort. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, you know, so it's – you know, this is a very – realistic approach to treatment. Um, And I think it's just explaining the value of it. Also trying to explain that I know that that number of explaining what that this will actually cost you something is probably really jarring because calls typically to a treatment center are going to be the first question, what's the cost? Like, okay, well, well, what's your insurance? And let Mm -hmm. me find out. um, All right. So basically, let me just run your insurance benefits. You're in network with us. So no cost to come in. Um, or, you know, this is just what the cost will be maybe at this point. And there's a little bit of a lack of transparency and, you know, this is. At other places or. You know, unfortunately, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think we ever really feel comfortable, um, 
speaking negatively about you know, other the intentions are good. I think everywhere. I mean, I think everyone who goes into this field has good intentions. There's sometimes systems in place that that you know can get in the way of those intentions. Um, but there is this l- misunderstanding, misperception of um, what that insurance will cover substance abuse treatment. Um, it's really hard to prove it's medically necessary. It's any type of anything related to mental health. It's very difficult to explain that it's medically necessary. Just because something's in network, it will at some point stop covering. And this is what we try to explain is that, yes, I know that in that moment of I'm overwhelmed, I need an answer right now, this program's in network, we don't have to pay anything up front, let's just go and get started. That's kind of what I've heard from a lot of families. They're like, uh-huh. that's 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 where our heads were at in terms of why this happened. Um, and then, okay, I just got a call that our insurance stopped covering and I had no idea what the out-of-pocket cost was and it was – significantly higher than if we had paid for Mar in total out of pocket. Mm-hmm. So it's like those those kinds of, you know, things happen all the time. The good thing about it is you know what the cost is. So mm-hmm. we're going to be very upfront with you from the beginning. There's not going to be anything, you know, you're, you're not going to receive a bill in a few months that, oh, this is what your insurance didn't cover. So this is what you now owe us. Mm-hmm. I mean, those bills are sometimes I mean, $60,000. I mean, wow. for a month of treatment. I mean, Probably two months. That's probably an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. I would say general cost is about thirty thousand dollars for thirty days of treatment at other at, at in network for profit centers. That is, I would say, kind of across the board, that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, some places are less than that. Some places are more than that. But this is not an inexpensive disease to have. So I mean, it comes right. along with medical bills, legal fees, all kinds of. I mean, lack Plane of tickets. employment. I mean, yeah, it's just. I mean, there's so many costs. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like. Once again, like I, when, when I'm working with that family, like it's like, there's no way we can make this work. I'm like, I hear you, but you're going to spend this money. Um, you're going to spend it on things that you don't want to spend it on, uh, emergency room visits and the legal fees that are going to, to add up and the things that just inevitably happen. Mm-hmm. This is a chronic, progressive, often terminal disease. We can never underestimate that. We can never forget that mm-hmm. um, and, and conveying the importance of that. It's so hard to believe that someone that you love has this, you know, oh, man, they have this thing, this this thing that's, you know, I don't want to believe it's that bad. Um, you know, I mean, my perspective's obviously been completely shifted by working here in terms of I'm like, no, this is a really good thing. Like you are, mm-hmm. I mean, I have the utmost respect for anyone who's in recovery, who has the courage to come into treatment, the courage to ask for help, the courage and dedication to continue being part of a 12-step community. It is not easy. I mean, I see, you know, my coworkers making time to go to meetings. Um, Jordan makes time to meditate every day. Um, You know, doing the things that you need to do every day to take care of yourself is not easy. And I think that's such just what Kristen said is such an amazing thing about Mars that so what it it took me being in recovery to realize how grateful I am to be an alcoholic. And just the other day, I, I, I said something about being a grateful alcoholic and a new guy said to me, are you really grateful? And I explained to him what that is like, you know, yeah, I'm grateful because like it has so little to do with stopping drinking and, and using and so much more to do with, I have all these things in my life now that I always wanted like integrity, honesty, true relationships, you know what I mean? Like things that 
I, I kind of pretended to have before, but they're real now. And that is an amazing feeling. So I'm a grateful alcoholic, yeah. which seems, sounds oxymoronic. And when Kristen said, she, you know, from being in this field, she has shifted to telling people, no, this is a great thing that you're calling. Like, it's amazing to me that someone not in recovery can understand that, yeah. you know, like how, how, like you, this person calling has hit the jackpot. If they'll mm-hmm. just listen to us, like amazing things can come to pass, you know, like usually 99.9% of the time if somebody calls, they're, they have been led here, you know, yeah. they, they need to, yeah. they need to follow through and do what we say, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and I think that's in terms of kind of going back to, you know, why work in the substance abuse field is like, there's a solution. I think that I struggled working my prior to this as an adolescent behavioral health hospital. I mean, you're seeing 10-year-old, 13-year-old kids who are have no concept of reality, who are the it's it's constant, um, severe, severe mental health issues. I'm like, I don't know that this person's ever gonna have a normal quality of life. Um, you know, in in a way of of having those those relationships and this um, you know purpose in the world, and I and it's gonna be. It was hard. You see this kind of cycle, cycle, cycle of we don't really have the best mental health care in our country. Um, it's really difficult to to obtain, and that was hard to watch. And so, and being here, I've never heard people talk about their job the way that employees at MAR talk about their work. Um, that's just, it's not a thing in the social work counseling field. No one says they want to work somewhere forever. There's so much burnout. Um, and there's just not when you feel like you're being effective and you're part of a system that's really making a difference. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of hard to it's really hard to put into words and i think that that's probably the hardest part of our job is trying to put all of these these experiences these emotions the gratitude that we all feel for working here getting to be part of this process it's very difficult to (laughs) express it in words um so we are doing our best yeah (laughs) we've sat and literally had me like we move not meetings around it but during meetings said how do we bottle this like how do we how do we just show somebody here is all the stuff you can get like see it yeah Yeah. just look it can be so beautiful yeah so that's part of why i love these podcasts Mm. i love listening to them is because it is the closest thing i think we can get to you know, I get to go. You say I get to go be in the room for those treatment team meetings. Jordan goes over and does some groups at our men's center. Um, sometimes it's like we get to kind of be in it, you know, every now and then. Um, not to the level that the rest of our amazing treatment team is, because it's it, our role. But um, you know, it's trying to convey that is so hard. Um, but it's that's kind of that piece of. You kind of just got to take my word for it this time. Mm-hmm. Like, just give it mm-hmm. a week, mm-hmm. two weeks. Mm-hmm. You, you will not be sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so. So what would you say to somebody, like, that's listening and they're like, I kind of want to make this call, but I'm scared to. What would you say to, like, I want to call Jordan or Kristen or Lauren and talk about this but i'm i'm a little bit nervous the first thing i would say is if that thought is even crossing your mind then make the call because you like listening to that voice is the first step like listening to that voice can save your life 
Secondly, it's just a phone call. There's no commitment. Like, you know what I mean? There's no obligation. Um, I get t- <laughs> I get cussed at on the phone and, and people hang up on me. It's okay. Like, you can mm-hmm. do whatever you want. Yeah, call, call, me, call, me, call me just to cuss me out. <laughs> okay? If that's the way it needs to go, that's the way it'll go. Um, there's not um, – there's not – I think the scariest thing for people is going to be without maybe even them realizing it is going to be if I say it out loud, it's true. But hey, man, if you're if that's going on in you right now, then you need to say it out loud. You know, nobody's going to hear you but me in the beginning or Kristen or Lauren. It's like we're not going to tell anybody we're bound by law not to. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, make the call without a doubt. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I hear a lot of people that will be very apologetic sometimes of like, oh, I, I don't want to go into too much detail. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm like, yeah, I, I got time. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the whole reason we're here. What I ideally, I would love for someone to just call and say, Hey, can I just talk to you for the next 20 minutes about what's been going on in my life and then get some feedback on that? Mm-hmm. I would love that. Um, I would say typically people think that it needs to be a quick phone call. It, it's just gathering some basic information. Of course, people can do that. They, you know, they may need to call us, you know, at a break at work. And, you know, maybe they don't have a lot of time. That's okay. But Ideally, I would just love to kind of know what's what have you been experiencing recently? What have you guys tried so far? Have you been to treatment before? Is this the first time? Kind of what's um, and be able to just take in some of that information. We love for people to just come to our office to be able to. All right, we've had this conversation. It sounds like you might be meeting our level of care. Um, sounds like doing an assessment would be a good idea. I think maybe that term assessment might seem. Maybe that's scary to someone Mm -hmm. Um, from us, you know, and it is if you're coming in and you're um, saying all these things about yourself to a complete stranger, um, well, maybe you'll listen to this podcast. Maybe we won't seem like strangers, Um, but we we I I love getting to do assessments in person It's probably preferred um, getting to just sit down. Let's lay it all out. We're going to just ask you some questions try to answer them as honestly as you can at this time. Like, and from there, we're going to meet as a staff. We're going to talk this through. Um, and we're going to give you some recommendations. You don't have to follow them. You don't have to do it. You can just say, I want to think about it and I'll call you tomorrow. But we're, but we're going to just tell you the truth. Um, so how much does know? all that cost? It's free. <laughs> yeah. So call, <laughs> yeah, I do get that question a lot too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no, calling us is free. You can call us as many times as you'd like. I mean, there's no, um, there's no limit on that. Um, we may have an assessment scheduled and say, I have to go take this other thing right now. But mm-hmm. generally, you know, we all kind of share a brain in terms of having to, we all know each other's schedules. We know what's going on with each other's cases um, so that we can kind of all be there for families going to go in and out of when we need to. Um, so, you know, we just, we just want to get to work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, again, yeah, there's no, there's no commitment there in terms of, if I make this call, am I going to have to go there? Um, nope. You just can kind of tell us what's been going on and you're welcome to come meet us in person, kind of see some of these things for yourself and just be open to getting some recommendations mm-hmm. objectively. So what would you say to somebody? You kind of touched on this. I think you both kind of touched on this, but somebody was like, well, maybe I'll come tomorrow later if it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, try something a little less and 90 days that's a big commitment i don't want to do that i'm going to try something a little less um intense first what would you say to them 
Well, it depends if they've met if if they've like been approved for admission here. If they have and they meet this level of care, then they really shouldn't try to do that because, like I mentioned earlier, that can be a setup for a relapse, which can end either in you wasting money, but it can also end in death. You know what I mean? Like we're playing with fire here. This is you know we recovery and working in the treatment field are both just I can't there I can't imagine a better life uh, with both you know these these two aspects of my life are amazing the people you meet the experiences you get to see people go through there is a dark side which is the the deaths and the relapses and those things are not easy yeah they're outweighed by the um by the good stuff but they're not easy and so sometimes people don't want to hear that because they're like i just called to get some advice man you're bumming me out like this is just <laughs> got really dark really fast <laughs> but it's true you know mm-hmm. i i've been doing this long enough to know that it's true um and so if you call here and and we we say you know based on our assessment yeah you need to be here you know just just know that this can be the easier softer way you know yeah, and I think, um, you know, in terms of waiting, I mean, it, this didn't happen to me personally, but one of uh, uh, the previous coworkers, they had someone who really wanted to just wait over the weekend, which is really normal. Sometimes families, you know, or, or you know, the client will say, I just really want this weekend at home. We want to spend it together. Or, you know, we just want to need to wrap some things up. Um, we had someone who died over the weekend once um, before coming into treatment here. It happened a few years ago. And, um, that's, you know, I, again, it wasn't my experience. I don't think that person would mind me sharing that that happened. Um, I, I don't know how, I can't imagine how I would feel of, so now we get those feelings all the time and it's like, we're not trying to be extremists and scare you. But the thing is, if you wait over the weekend, I don't think that's okay. Um, and I need to tell you that because Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a lot of feelings about this. Um, it's going to be really hard if I get that phone call Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think now that I think about it, there's actually two times where that has happened. Mm-hmm. And it's like we've, you know, you're trying to be as kind of assertive and almost kind of confrontational as possible. Um, and, you know, that, that, that I've say I've developed a little bit more since, since working here is you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's not easy, but that's – it's like you're trying to wait, uh, you know, 30 days. How people say they want to wait till after the holidays or want to wait till you know, a certain time in life. It's never going to be convenient. Mm-hmm. There's it's, there's never a convenient time to drop everything in your life, um, which we don't expect people to do. We don't expect everything to be dropped. We don't want anything being neglected. Um, you know, we're – this is where you learn how to handle all of those things that, believe it or not, we're not being handled. If you're mm-hmm. meeting our level of care typically – your relationships are not in a good place. Your work is not at the best place. You, you know, the things are – your health is not in a, in a place where you'd like it to be. These things are not being addressed. It's a kind of a false sense of reality if you think that they are. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, if you're being honest with yourself in that situation, the truth is what, what your inner dialogue is saying is, well, how am I going to maintain things? How am I going to continue mm-hmm. to maintain things? Because that's all you're at best doing is you're maintaining things. Whether you're the addicted person or the loved one. Right. Yeah. And what we can what we can help you do if you come here is is like thrive, you know, like at, like you're supposed to. Like not just maintain, but like really be a part of your own life. What's one thing that you'd want to communicate to people that are listening that 
uh, that you could pay? If you could pass on one thing, what would it be? Well, mine is something that you already said, uh, which is the, the something I learned from Mar and uh, and and my subsequent recovery, which is um, the value of uh, sitting in discomfort. Um, because my whole life, and I still have a tendency to do this, I try to go around it, you know, um, and I can't, you know, I just can't. I can't go around it. Um, and yeah, like I said, I still try to avoid it, but it's such an amazing thing that today I can go through negative things and then come out and be like, oh my God, like I did it. Like I could not have done that before. I would have used so hard at that situation. Yeah. And I, and I know like, and Doug has told me like, that is something that like specifically that differentiates more from other places. Like we will not tell you what you want to hear. We'll tell you like, yes, this, you are dealing with this situation. This does suck. What are you going to do? Cause you have to sit right here. Mm-hmm. And that is profoundly healing. And I have to, I have to work today to, to remember to, to do that. But when I do, like I've gone through some hard things um, in life since I left here, and uh, and it has made me stronger. That's great. And I would say something that has been um, just kind of something I've been thinking about recently because it's just come up a lot um, from families and um, individuals thinking about coming in here is this notion of I want to get back. I want to get back to how things were. And kind of this sometimes maybe idealized version of, you know, back when things were good. Um, my maybe work was good, relationships were good, people were off my back, I was maybe using it was normal, wasn't having as many of these, you know, silly consequences that keep happening. Um, and and for families, like I want this connection back. I want that relationship back. I wish things could just go back to how they were. Um, and that's, you know, we, we talk about goals in our assessments. I can't tell you how many times I hear that. I just want to get back to where I was. I'm just, you know, it, it like, it kind of, it just maybe triggers this thing of like, um, you just have, you just have no idea how awesome this is about to be, um, getting you back to how you felt at that time of, okay, I got everything kind of under control. Um, that would be just scratching the surface, bare minimum of what, you would what what we could do here um and kind of relates to what we were talking about this not being something that is shameful this label i'm an addict i'm an alcoholic um is no this is about to be really good um you just need to do these things and there are going to be these relationships that you're going to have that you've never had you know relationships that were this authentic that you've been able to live a life with this level of integrity and most of all peace um, this piece of self, peace with other people, piece of just that you just you, you have no idea. We are in no way trying to get back to this version of um, not that that was anything wrong with that, but you just hadn't gotten to have this experience of learning about yourself by learning about other people. Um, it's just there's nothing like it. You just have no idea how how good things are about to get. So that's something that's just kind of been a, I don't know, for some reason that's just come up a lot recently yeah. and something I've been just kind of reflecting on recently of, you know, that's not what we're doing here. Yeah. It's about to be very different and this is going to be, this is going to be exciting. So, yeah, that's what I got. That's great. A lot better than just back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, Thank you guys so much for doing this. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. I'm Matt Shedd. Our show is co-produced by Angela Edmonds and our executive producer is David Tate. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.